0: Alright, hello and welcome to the 7th episode of the Bean Talking Podcast. I'm Tim Beanland and on this one we've been talking to Darren. He's the founder of Ignition Immersive, a VR company. So we touched on some really cool topics such as where VR is at the moment, and where's it's going, applications in form of training and especially in dangerous environments and how VR can really, really improve marketing campaigns in terms of the tracking and ability. So if you're into tech, you're gonna really love this one, and I'm excited for you guys to hear it, so let's go. Cool, Darren. Hey, how Thank are Thank you? you for your time, mate. Yeah. Seventh, uh, seventh guy on the podcast, really appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah. So um, you're on the cutting edge of VR, you're a director, a producer, yeah. um, technologist, that's sort of my sum up of of yourself, Mm. but um, for people out there that don't know who you are and, and Ignition Immersive. Yeah, tell us a bit
1: about yourself. Uh, gosh, tell you about yourself. Where do you start in life? Yeah. Um, look, I'll probably just start that I was a filmmaker at a very early age, about five years old. Right. Um, I love film and I loved trying to make films. And by trying to make films, we were trying to uh, create films where we are doing special effects using jump cuts. This was on the old VHS. We never went down the beta route. If anyone remembers beta, that was a superior format that no one could get hold of. But oh, look, yeah. VHS, um, shooting films and trying to cut them on vhs using dubbing and recording yeah yeah very very dodgy but we made some great stuff as kids Can how I say long ships? ago was Can that no, yeah you, yeah of course we so. made we're, some great shit Made some great uh stuff, yeah, yeah that, that was when i was six <laughs> and if i tell you how long ago i'll reveal my age which uh, i'm uh, not gonna enough. do yeah. but it was some time in the 80s in the 80s um, right, when so, vhs was a thing yeah. that's it that's it and um yeah, so i've always been into film uh and i was always into computing so uh, I was a nerd sitting up um, in my bedroom, you know, coding on a Commodore 64, writing stuff. Yeah. Again, showing my age there. Um, <laughs> and I uh, ran a bulletin board system. This was way back in the 80s where yeah. I got four phone lines installed and had sort of a multi-user chat system going. People would dial in on computers. Very, very early internet, you yeah. know, four or five people in a connected computer system. Yeah. Um, so I think when I say technologist and and then filmmaker, it's both of those things converging. Combined. Um, I've had a career where I've done a lot in video content production I've done a lot of filmmaking I've done short films gotten into festivals um, some executive producing and producing Uh, about a year and a half ago nearly two years ago actually um, started this studio Ignition Immersive I kind of got hooked on VR Um, VR's come around a few times and I was always interested in the potential of the technology anyone that sort of Love things like Tron and Brainstorm, yep. films like that, of course, and a bit of a film nerd. Film nerd. Um, there
0: and, was uh, um, Into the Game, there was a gaming one that came out.
1: It wasn't so much the gaming, I think I was interested in the idea that there was an ability to have complete escapism or complete immersion, okay. right? Um, a lot of the themes of those films were around complete immersion and, and escapism. Yep. Um, think about Electric Dreams, the film mm. in the 80s, I think they're remaking that actually, I hope they don't ruin yeah. it, but... Um, that was about a guy whose computer was kind of aware and networked and kind of, I guess you could say, fell in love with him or had a crush on him. <laughs> it's a bit weird now that oh, I think about yeah. it. But yeah, look, I look back on that stuff and I've always had this draw to be kind of uh, immersed in in uh, different worlds. Yeah. And I think people do get immersed when they go to a cinema. Uh, I think today we have quite a lot of stimulation, different screens, different formats, and we're very distracted. Mm. And so when I saw VR come around, I um, put a headset on for the first time and I thought, well, it's going to be crap like it's always been. And actually, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Oculus Rift was a real game changer. And um, I remember just sort of being in there for what I thought was five minutes and an hour had passed. And uh, I was just like, wow, yeah. this is this is completely it's not just completely new, but it's completely feasible. It's completely feasible for me to be somewhere else, believe I'm somewhere else to enjoy that. Uh, to come back to reality and really feel like that I've I've been somewhere, and I feel like, you know what, I've always wanted to make films because I want to take people somewhere, yep. and now with VR, I can literally just just completely take them somewhere else.
0: Well, that was going to be my next question because mm-hmm. you've you've grown up doing traditional film, yeah. um, But then, what was the the caveat that pushed you to the VR world? In terms of okay
1: because you know you would get a lot of too de- contentious right? yeah. i think film is a, absolutely a magic craft definitely and i love it and i still do make 2d film and i still want yep. it i've got a whole bunch of, of screenplays um but i'm just aware that as kind of a modern audience with um this sort of transcendence towards streaming and people watching films on mobile devices mm-hmm. you know my dream was always to have a film in a cinema yeah that was the experience yeah. that i knew and that was complete immersion. I didn't have a phone, I wasn't distracted by the outside world, I was in complete darkness. I didn't care who I was with, I was, you know, literally following Luke Skywalker. I was there. And um, I think today it's a lot harder to achieve that with a level of distraction. Mm. And um, VR kind of enables 100% of someone's attention. They're really surrendering 100% of their time and attention to you. And that's fundamentally different to, I guess, normal 2D media. yeah, and I'm not saying like people do give 100% of attention to, to great films yep. and Netflix series, all of that. You know, people binge watch stuff. Yeah. I think yeah, of Game got... of Thrones, you know, yeah. like pizza parties and watch pizza it for parties. seven hours straight. Yep. Um, it's not about that. It's about the idea that there's this kind of next level of immersion mm. where I can really take people somewhere. And that, that really interests yep. me as a, I think... As a filmmaker, you are potentially some kind of uh, spiritual guide or something like yeah. that as well, right? You're, You're really doing so you people, people on a journey. journey. On a and story, they're giving yeah. you their time. so yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, definitely. And I think you touched on it there. Um, you said "Oh, the perception of your VR the first time you put it on was, oh, no, this isn't going to be as enjoyable. But being in the industry, you've obviously seen a lot of growth in the technology. So mm. is it now at a space where an experience that you can have if it's run properly can create those wow moments it's not yeah uh, this is going to be something out of the blue it's more now it's wow the technology is really here
1: yeah look I, I think people have always done the best they can with technology at the time and um yeah technology has got this this kind of acceleration curve where it's taken innovation on a lot of different angles mm-hmm. and from a lot of different industries to be able to really get to a point where um vr technology you know involves stereoscopic high resolution screens motion tracking head mounted tracking for you know, directional tracking uh you need spatial audio you need processing power to be able to produce these experiences you need storage capacity I and mean, all these things yeah. have kind of come from different parts of innovation i mean a lot of it driven by mobile technology funnily yeah. enough you know mobile screens with old tech getting cheaper higher resolution yeah. and more horsepower and a smaller uh footprint mm. all of that stuff's ultimately enabled vr to to really be something that's you know near to reality Mm. and believable enough that you can enjoy it and to not have the kind of visual fatigue that would come from traditional screens and other things or you know remember uh, an initial vr headset i put on as many many years ago it's this huge thing like it just (laughs) uh, yeah it was like wearing like six motorbike helmets sort of compressed into one so you really couldn't even if the visual technology was good, which wasn't, but if it was good, you just would have been fully aware that there's an elephant sitting on my head, um, and therefore I am inside inside inside. a a VA headset, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Um, so something interesting, I've I've met you through our first guest, um, Jordan, Mm. and um, the project that he was doing with yourself, and I think I've heard you talk about the, the way that this experience is different in terms of further educating people um, to do, Ned Kelly, when someone has this experience. So, what's the importance that
1: VR plays in that sort of role? Yeah, I, yeah, we were having a little bit of yeah. a talk earlier, and um, I, I just, you know, we're very much a society that lives in the moment and is always looking forward. And, um, you know, with that is this, this great breadth of human history that becomes in some ways less tangible to access. And, and, uh, People read, but do they read books anymore? Do people really immerse themselves in history? Do people have the time to really connect with history and have the understanding? Even with Wikipedia and all the stuff, I mean, I do a lot of reading and watch a lot of documentaries, but we're just living in such a saturated media age where there's so much new stuff that it's almost a little bit hard to get people in connection with the past and really understand, uh, have an intimate relationship with the past. Mm. And um, one of the the great use cases we saw from VR was to to sort of use the 100% of someone's focus take them back and meet historical characters or or witness or experience historical things and in this case uh it was ned kelly's you know final days in old melbourne jail um there's something very intimate poignant and and kind of evoking about that which is an ability to get a window into maybe a character or a person who's larger than life but mm. at the same time human and yeah. um that's what we wanted to do with that ned kelly vr project was you know enable for that four or five minutes somebody to come off the street walk in there sit down in a jail cell and then for the next four or five minutes they're there with ned kelly it's, wow. it's a very close personal conversation mm. and it's an insight into the man it's an insight into the times he lived in Yeah, uh, it's an insight into our collective history you know um, colonialism bush rangers all that sort of stuff all those themes that sit there mm. um, and somehow it's just you know I think I said this to Jordan when we were making it when you walk in the jail it's it's surrounded by ghosts of the past but when you put this VR headset on it's like you're a ghost from the future yeah. sitting, sitting in the in past That's so a really really um, it's a beautiful thing and uh, yeah yeah
0: I I actually went to see it yesterday and um, you can you can you feel like you're there in the in the jail you feel like you're back in Mm. you're looking back into the past Um, rather than when you walk around the jail you can sort of think about it Mm. but then once you put the headset on and and even the candle in the corner and Mm. and everything it's just that extra layer I think
1: yeah if you I think we can look back on the past, but it's much better if we can witness the past. Yeah. Now, comes a, a, a great oath of responsibility of fact and fiction and things like that around yeah. that. That The fact that we can bear witness to the past, I and mean, this is the next best thing, to time travel. Yeah, of course. Um, and <laughs> who doesn't want to do that, <laughs> right? That's, do that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, as, as filmmakers and as VR companies and as artists, we can do this mm. with the technology, but we can kind of take next level, you know, with VR. And yep. um, when people surrender themselves and go on that journey, it, it really is a journey. I mean, it could be anywhere it could be out of space it could be Mars it yep. could be you know, I'm a huge Aliens fan I yeah, can't wait fans. to have a, you know, an Aliens experience on an Nostromo or something yeah. like that that would just blow my mind well that leads me into a
0: broader question of, mm. of the because everyone likes to see VR as the future so we know it's the future but what do you see as the future of VR in terms of Um, going into space or different movies or... It's a hard one. You've
1: got to look at the technology and um, there's still a lot of accessibility problems with VR. I mean we're kind of, what are we, not really even second gen tech. I mean first gen we maybe call HTC Vive and Oculus Rift. Um, Second gen tech we could call kind of Gear VR, mobile VR headsets, Oculus Mm -hmm. Go, all these all-in-one headsets. We're not really even second gen at the moment and um, it's still quite inaccessible. I mean the experience is clunky It requires setup, it's a little bit of a labor to put the headset on, Um, you have to be committed Mm. to want to surrender yourself to VR, Um, and so what VR competes with is just the the sheer ubiquitous accessibility of all other technologies, I can whip my phone out right now and watch Mm. YouTube in half Mm. a second, Um, you know, and we're constantly connected in that way. So VR has this huge barrier around mm-hmm. it, and at the moment I kind of see it much more as maybe an exhibition format. You yep. know, similar to the old Melbourne jail where it's a curated experience, the viewer doesn't have to do much. Mm-hmm. They're specifically going to experience VR. It's the same in training and induction and other that was things. Best,
0: that's right, yeah. You
1: know, you've got an environment that you curated, Western uh, Australian Museum's just got an Antarctic experience. Yep. You go in, you're actually going to have an experience. Have experience. Um, so I often refer to VR at the moment as being a, a theatrical format, yep. as in cinema. Yeah. Um, because it's a lot like that yeah. um, when you go to a cinema you have to worry about cranking up all the technology to mm. put the show on and, well, um, yeah uh, where, where's it going you ask yeah. is that uh, I think that accessibility is just going to rapidly iterate mm. we've got yeah, mixed reality augmented reality and virtual reality and we've got sort of um, an acceleration of the technology behind the headsets and the glasses, yeah. you know. I think eventually um, very, very lightweight um, HUD kind of style glasses, or maybe even, um, what do you call them that you put in your eyes? In your Contact eyes lenses, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obvious. That's, but yeah i think we're, we're quite a way away from that from but that. definitely something that's accessible that i can put on it's intuitive that responds yep. and is ready to consume as quickly as it is to take off
0: well once i'm bought into vr and and i think the power of it is in that experience mm. um and the power of it is i can sit there be immersed into a different world mm. without having to travel anywhere so immediately for me and a lot of the listeners on here are, are mm. business people and and my thought goes straight to training or Mm. um especially in situations where it
1: could be dangerous so do you see vr as a powerful Mm. tool to to train train oh absolutely i mean you look at um i know people are doing some stuff in the oil and gas industry that is is high risk work uh, involves remote sites The ideal is that you can train somebody as competently physically on-site without them setting foot on-site before they're competent yeah well that's the classic challenge of all yeah. the, you know like when, when i look at sites that do induction mm. they're got to take people through the site uninducted to induct them you know I mean, the are of it right, right. That, yeah. and and so you know and then training and all sorts of things um there we work with a wind farm and they've got turbines this is high altitude oh. uh work you know yeah. it's confined spaces so people can do a lot of training but then the first time that they go in there is really the first time that they'll get the real experience and knowledge of working within yeah. that and so you know vr lets us do a lot of that stuff um pretty much remotely anywhere mm-hmm. i mean you can produce vr content to train somebody and they could they could do it from um you know hotel room if yeah. they wanted to so now you're saving not mm-hmm. only
0: potentially lives because you're not putting inexperienced people into situations where they should have been experienced, but you're also then saving the time on the back end as well yeah. by not flying them out.
1: To There's another part of this which um, a lot of people overlook and i am really passionate about. It's kind yep. of sort of hotspot analytics and tracking and data technology. Yep. Is that you know using VR, we can learn a lot about the viewer through that induction process oh, or through yeah. that training process. So if you want to measure competence, in somebody before you commit them to do a job, yeah, this is a really, really powerful tool. So wow. if I was to have a um, hundred people who were working on a, um, a an orchard, they would rely on a lot of backpackers and casual staff, yeah. right? You got a hundred people in a pool. Well, you want to know who the 20 potentially repeat I won't say dangerous, but maybe people that take more risks could be out of that pool yeah. before you actually get them out there in the orchard where they're risking people's lives. And yeah. so using VR and training and get all of that data and analytics, and go, well, actually these 20 people, they, they continually speed in the vehicles during yeah. the training. Yeah. And that's a red flag before you actually send somebody out there. It is, yeah. it is, and
0: uh, I mean, that then saves a whole bunch of our H&S. That then, you
1: know, it's... Um, it, 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 you know you can look at it like not just a training tool but also a recruitment tool Mm -hmm. as well and in that sense that recruitment filter becomes even more important it's scalable so you can potentially recruit a wider pool of people Mm -hmm. committing less time and resource to actually test those people and train them and then you can dovetail and refine that funnel and just get um, probably the best of the best uh, and actually put them out to work so you've built their competence really quickly it's scalable it's cost effective But you've also created a filter so you can remove risk and that's super important
0: Um, something I want to ask because I, I look into marketing and, and something it, it's a bit of a buzzword that goes around the, the mm. firm is we want people to engage in with our content. We want people mm. to look at it. And I look at uh, metrics in terms of video watches and a classic Facebook graph is like ten seconds and then bang, people yeah. people stop watching it. So how can how do you think VR as a as a tool can improve just engagement? Because that's such a such mm. a big qualitative metric that.
1: No. double-edged sword here yeah. so look there's a lot of talk of 360 content 360 content on facebook yeah. and yeah in feeds let's put up a 3d picture yeah in and yeah and look that, that does get a bit more engagement but there's a novelty factor associated with that we haven't seen a lot of it yeah. human beings we like shiny things so we pay them a <laughs> bit more attention yeah. you know like yeah. wow that video is moving with my phone that's quite interesting so i'll watch that a bit longer yeah i mean inevitably the content's got to be great anyway i mean yeah. otherwise it's boring um <clears throat> So on one hand, 360 content can be more immersive on a phone. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, we have to cut um, far less frequently with 360 content than we do with 2D, right? We live in kind of the, the music video clip age where we cut really quickly with stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like we're used to cutting. If you watch a film these days, there'll be like 10 cuts in maybe 8 seconds of dialogue. And human beings are used to that speed of cutting, yeah. so we want pace. Yeah, and three sixty doesn't necessarily have pace outside of a headset. So there's a double edge to that kind of yeah, okay. gotcha. advertising side. Now it's different if we talk about getting people in headsets. Yeah, because we know we've got their full attention, we've got their full immersion. We do yeah. all sorts of stuff from that kind of world. Whether you know, if you want to make advertising, you can't make an ad in VR. Yeah. you should make a really great experience
0: experience which and that is experience
1: should be for, yeah, yeah the, the journey and whatever it is should be i guess part of the brand proposition mm. or the the ethos of the brand or what mm. they want people to feel like brands always talking about i want people to feel this way well yeah you know vr is a very emotion emotive medium There's been a lot of work done on the psychology of how vr can help people change how they feel okay uh, there's a lot of scientific and there's um quite a few companies out there doing content to help people with mood yeah. meditation well, even uh, dementia, dementia all sorts of things right yeah, I and mean. um, so if you think if air has the power to kind of fundamentally move people mm. well then a, a brand sponsored experience that can fundamentally make somebody feel loved yeah. or happy carries with an enormous brand value like much definitely. more than a billboard definitely that's um that's marketing 101 we
0: taught you know, in the degree that I did, we were told, you know, learn to evoke emotion, um, yeah. emotional appeals, sell, yeah. you know, humor, laughter, yeah. love. It's it's build these things. So if you can use VR to create that experience and mm. invite people to it, that's that's where the true engagement is. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, then on the back end, I'm also interested in health. Um, I think there's been studies done um, with people with depression and, and in even um, yeah. palliative care, for example, where mm. they've, they've been given couple of weeks months to live and mm. and they're just sort of lying in bed you know imagine if you could then give them vr mm. which gives them mm. an ability to go to rome or an ability to watch a vr production See, so it's they, a really
1: you know, it's an interesting i've been on a few panels where we, we talk about the ethics of vr yeah. and there's a huge ethical question here okay. around um, i was in this debate on one of these yeah, panels please. where yeah. they were just sort of saying you know and they were talking about the palliative care and yep. The question come up, what happens when the virtual reality world is more appealing than the real world? And that's the ethical it's line. And then you go, well, well, yeah. So is it um, ethical to allow people to spend more time in a virtual world than they do in the real world? Okay. And is that not a deficiency in the real world and real life yeah. that we should be fixing? Okay. Um, I tend to swing the other way I go well we all go to sleep you know some of us sleep five hours a night eight hours whatever we all dream and we all right. go into kind of artificial worlds or you know induced uh, yeah. yeah, sleep subconscious, and yeah. subconscious right and so we all live in these sorts of virtual worlds and then even in, in real life we're all living in a virtual world because yep. everything's kind of projected for ourselves. A simulation theory as well. Yeah as we yeah we know like 0.0001% <laughs> of the world around us and yeah. we think the world revolves around us and yeah. everything we know about our friends family is all constructed from a singular perspective so mm-hmm. I human beings actually just create synthesis of reality anyway um, if the escapism actually is personally rewarding for an individual and it doesn't harm other individuals in any way shape or form yeah. I say is Definitely. that not a legitimate thing and yeah. shouldn't somebody be allowed to make that free choice so, yeah that's yeah. very interesting I'd love
0: to get responsive um, I want to touch into a little bit of psychology of, of yourself and, and and ignition immersive and find out a little bit about that is, mm. um, So you're a business
1: owner why why did you why did you start this um a few dimensions to that i i I, you know i started the studio because i want to make vr films and i'm interested in exploring the medium creatively and when i first started you know vr was complicated you had to use sort of multiple individual cameras and stitching and then all the workflows weren't that orientated so there was an enormous amount of kind of learning and intellectual property that went into just even making (laughs) basic vr yeah and I remember sitting there one day as I was sort of hauling through that going, well, wouldn't it be great to kind of share that with a bunch of people and build a skill set up so it become easier and it become more natural and then we could do better. Yeah. And um, I, I kind of, as an Australian, you know, and as a filmmaker, you kind of look over to Bollywood, Hollywood, and you look at the scale and you kind of go, we're never going to have that scale. Yeah. And they so new and it's so accessible, I kind of saw that we could actually produce as good VR here as you can anywhere in the world. Like The scales of economy aren't that different. A yeah. like hundred million for a VR film is not gonna do necessarily that much more than a hundred thousand for people who really know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> loosely speaking there loosely is, speak, do you know what I there's mean like, there's between the, yeah, there, there yeah. is there is and yeah, you know storytelling is always storytelling and I yeah. get the Australian ethos and we can make great stories as well exactly. but I just saw that with VR there was kind of a resetting of the slate about where everybody was in the world on a new frontier yeah And that's a great place to be so why not do that with a bunch of people train people up create the capability and so you know here we are um always learning landscapes always evolving it's always exciting exciting to be on the frontier yeah yeah it's only this yeah 2019 i'm kind of looking forward going you know i think think vr films and semi-interactive films and hotspot technology i think all that stuff could really come of age this year it could be really a great industry to be in Definitely. Yeah, the audience is growing, and they're
0: going to be there. Yep. Mm. Um, would love to know about some of the projects you've done. Obviously, there was the one with Jordan, but um, what? Uh, I mean, you've you've done everything from your B B2, 2 B C stuff with that, but all the mm. way up to government work and and, um, and orchard work. As you're saying, is, has there been a, a particular project that comes to mind where you've gone? This that was just
1: amazing. I enjoy. Just, we really enjoyed putting Race to Alaska together. That was very early on, and that was a documentary. And a yeah. lot of that was me teaching some people to use uh, cameras that we equipped them with. And you know, it was it was a um, sort of solo race from from Canada to Alaska, and uh, that was a lot of fun putting that together. Yeah. And we learned a lot from that because we overshot a lot of yeah. material, and it's just yeah. so much it's data, and there was so having, much stitching, yeah. and we're kind of we put it together and then we realized that you know you, you can't really have a film that's like 50 minutes in BR it's just people don't want like matter how good it is there's attrition that yeah. comes from viewing stuff that long of and course. um yeah, no, we're really proud of that. Um, we, we've got a couple of projects that we've kind of been semi-shooting at the moment. So yep. one of them's is more of a sort of extreme adventure travel series that we're cool. experimenting with. So really excited to be developing that. Mm-hmm. Um, a Couple of other creative irons in the fire ones based on Dark Fairy Tales, which yep. is in development. So that creative stuff's what I want to focus on. Yep. Predominantly, studio is focused on a lot of commercial stuff at the moment, mm-hmm. so the obvious use cases of training and induction um, Doing some great stuff around farm safety yeah. uh, up in Mildura at the moment. Because
0: yeah. when um, you come back to I'll come back to it, it's it's really you're saving people's lives. I'm, you know, I'm going to make that big That's That's rewarding, you yeah. Know?
1: I don't want to sound dicky about it, but no, sometimes but I feel like I've come out of the corporate world and i got into to VR because I want to do creative, meaningful things. Yeah. And it's really nice to find a rhythm with the work that we're doing. Is yeah. that Yeah, it's got a commercial underpinning tone, but it's it's actually got a real world benefit right? yep. i'm going to improve somebody's life or maybe going to save somebody's life or i'm going to prove conditions and i'm sure there's scales of commercial yeah. interest that go around that answer, right? but i'm kind of focused on well wow maybe if one person saved you'll never know it but mm. that feels good to sort of be contributing yeah, to that.
0: because they remember back <clears throat> to actually physically doing this thing that's
1: yeah. you know dainty and look, there's also this idea of supporting industry and we're in a global economy, and I can go on about all that stuff, but mm. innovation technology is important for uh, every industry. Yeah. you know? And if we can help apply that and lead different industries you know, to something mm. better and help, that, that feels good. That's yeah. why I'm doing this. Because that's something that
0: comes to my mind of, it's not just suited for one particular niche. Like I think a lot of people can be um, mistaken in thinking that VR is just for gaming and fun. Mm. Um, something that I've learned doing a little bit of research is it's
1: you shouldn't be afraid to try new technology in, in, in your business mm. um, well we, we all do and, and um, I, I just think the tech's proving itself this year it's accessible it's cost-effective and it's yeah. it's a really good time for people to even be ideating around it I mean we're always I do a lot of work where I go in and sort mm. of consult and talk about what's possible and yeah. we ideate and we come up with solutions and you know it's, it's very cost effective to rapidly prototype and proof of concept this yeah. stuff and that's where I suggest anyone does it like on a small scale focus see the yeah. results for yourself and sort of build out from there mm. and you don't have to kind of go all or nothing uh, yeah. not with technology and innovation because especially mm. if it's
0: something to in terms of education of people with it um, what's that first step someone should make if they're, if, if my, I haven't looked at my training program in 20 years <laughs> and now I'm looking yeah. okay people have as as you said, people are falling asleep in the training programs, and and I'm looking at this as an option.
1: Well, the first thing you should always do in any business is not look at the training program, but just look at where there are potential problems and areas of improvement in the business. So yeah. If you've got a training program and everyone's 100% confident you know competent and there's no accidents or risk or you know everything's going really really well and it's cost effective for you and yeah. you've got it nailed. I mean you got to say, is VR going to add a lot to that? No, but if you're kind of looking under the hood and going, um, it's not as effective as what it used to be. People aren't watching the two hour video anymore. <laughs> people aren't, you know. The 90s the, theme stuff. I, yeah. I, if there's no engagement, you know, then, you yeah. know, Qantas learned this with the whole, um, you know, ads that they ended up putting on the aeroplanes because yeah, okay. those things were so stale. Yeah. And people just weren't watching them. Yeah. And everyone's like, I know what to do. I know where the life jacket is. That's not the point. The That's point is point. about attentiveness and awareness. Yeah. Um, and because people weren't watching them, there's a risk there. Hundred percent. Now, does that risk play out? No. But do you identify that as a risk and try and improve it? Yes. So they they went on a campaign to make really engaging, you know, instructional videos and. It just made a huge difference has it saved a life no do we know yes no but, yes, no, but the engagement level's there yeah. and we know that people need that information that they need to actually retain that yeah and that's the purpose so purpose. that's how you, you quantify things sometimes
0: okay. mm. leading back to marketing advantages of, of vr you were talking uh and uh, talking about 2d a little bit but mm. what advantages do you think vr has um mm. over that if we're gonna go into that area
1: um yeah look it's kind of talking about you know 2d can cut quickly it's ubiquitously accessible across so many devices now um and obviously vr true vr needs infrastructure and by that it needs headsets you know and and so there's barriers to entry people have got to own those headsets there's yeah Google Cardboard and other things you can do with your phone and Gear VRs. It's all right, it's It's—it's not quite the real VR experience. So yeah. there's definitely um, some barriers there to actually accessing VR content. But once you get somebody in there, mm. uh, super useful in terms of things you can do over 2D. I mean, obviously we've talked a lot about the 100% of somebody's attention and yeah. full immersion, right? Mm-hmm. And that has a real emotional quality to it as well. we will talk about brands and influencing, that, that's really powerful stuff. Yeah, definitely. The other, um, one of the things I'm really passionate about like hotspot tracking so because these things have got an accelerometer and we can see where somebody's looking it's how the thing turns when you turn your head around it also means you can analytically collect data about where people are looking right and so that stuff becomes really useful i mean it's kind of a gold mine in Mm. terms of where's people's view drawn to in a room where does people's gaze go to? I mean, I could put somebody into a conceptual architectural foyer, for example. I would walk 10 people through there mm. and I could actually measure where most people's eyes and gaze are drawn. And I could kind of tell you out of that lots of things. We could inform the architecture. We could inform the design and flow of the space. We could maybe inform where to stick an ad huh. where most people are gonna yeah. look. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> that, that's really basically talking advertising. Yeah, no, of course. That hotspot technology is um, quite interesting. We're looking at a project at the moment um, around training enforcement and so um, often these uh, people have to go into maybe uh, dangerous environments and it's all about being able to assess risk very quickly and this happens in a lot of different industries not just law enforcement you know any kind of safety risk yeah um, and so you're able to put people through situation and scenario in vr multiple times track where they're looking and where their attention goes and then gain analytics from that and perhaps inform the training of that person. So yeah, wow. if I was to you know, walk into uh, uh, a dangerous situation and uh, nine out of 10 times I don't see the knife on the table, for example, I'm not paying attention. I'm not scanning the room properly. You can no. tell that with VR. Like that. You know, with 2D, we just have to shoot a wide and you really yeah. wouldn't know whether anyone was looking no, no. anywhere in particular. I don't even know if they're looking at the screen in 2D right but in VR I know exactly where they're looking for how long and what they react to and so the analytics you can get out of that super super useful not just in training but advertising and media improvement architecture all sorts of things so so that's that's super cool yeah Yeah. that that is very cool yeah and that stuff can then be used to feed in I mean think about making VR films where the film can kind of adapt to how people look and watch the film and kind of can be improved based on how people are watching the film you know I always think We've got this idea of a film being a fixed thing. You make it, you shoot it, you complete it, you edit it, you master it. You put it out, people yeah. watch it, and that's it. You know, I think film and narrative in the future is going to be a lot more of this kind of agile, evolving thing. It's somewhere hybrid between kind of game and real. Netflix is already experimenting with interactivity on episodes and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I think it's much more of an evolving beast. So if the film can respond to the viewer, mm that is a super exciting thing as a filmmaker right i can make a film where uh there could be sort of four four people gathered and they're in a party house and something's going on these four people go separate ways but different people follow a different journey based on where their kind of attention was drawn during a conversation. Yeah, so yeah. put people in this headset and they watch the film and different people see yeah, different, things. different things, things. just Do based on how they well. watch the film. right? And it's, that's, that's responding to the viewer. Yeah. It's not the filmmaker going, hey, watch this. This is what I want you to see. Yeah. So, now it becomes a more individual experience. Yeah. yeah. So if you think about the interactivity and the loop of information you can get with VR, that, that's well more advanced than, than 2D. That's so cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I guess, yeah, and then one
0: of my other ones was scalability of the tech. Um, Mm. It's seen as a bit of a barrier at the moment, but. Um, what's your opinions around the, the scalability?
1: Yeah, look, it's a bit interesting. I mean, over Christmas, um, Oculus dropped the price of their Go headsets. I mean, they're yep. super cheap now for that, what they are. I mean, this is like a dedicated VR headset, sort of 300 320 bucks yeah. if you know where to look, uh, 32 gig. It's all in one. It doesn't mm-hmm. need a phone. It's got mm-hmm. its own operating system. It's the first true. It's actually a VR device. It's just into itself. Just, it can sit on a table. Yeah. And just be there for VR. Yeah. Uh, Really simple little control. Am I wrong in
0: saying saying then it's like the Xbox of VR sort of? It
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not quite the remote control for the tele VR or the mobile phone. We're not quite there yet with technology, but it's it's definitely a hugely accessible and also really really cheap device, right? So if you think about um, VR and training or VR deployments and putting an infrastructure for VR, that that's a super economical way to go Mm. now. I mean. 12, 18 months ago, you needed, um, what, six, $700 for a Rift or a Vive, and you needed the PC to be able to run it. you probably looking wow. at 2K, 3K footprint. Yeah. We've gone in the space 24, 48 months from, um, you know, a 2, 3K investment to 300 bucks. Yeah. Now, it doesn't have the horsepower to drive interactivity, what we call six degrees of freedom, where you can have motion interactivity, um, sophisticated in VR, but it's accessible consumer VR. And what we're seeing come out of that is, um, probably a really huge growth in broadcast VR so Mm. live sports VR and stuff like that Uh, I just see it as a headset where people can go watch the NBL or the tennis or you know a super accessible channel we've been talking to a few companies that are working in that field really exciting stuff that they're doing with that experience where you can kind of be in VR and it's not just the 360 court side Mm. you can project because you can actually put multiple screens inside VR as well so I can create you know instead of you having sort of 10 idiots behind you cheering on the tennis <laughs> I can use that to put a few screens of other replays of slow mos and other stuff and I can kind of look around and watch replays and everything else whenever I want yeah. Or I can just watch the game and so you can actually create this kind of curated, curated experiences experience in VR, the and you can combine 2d footage into that and yeah. make you know better use of it yeah, I could so. even have the 2d here and then all my VR stuff around me yeah yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. You know, so, you know, you kind of want the close-ups, the slow motion, it's over there to my left or right, but I don't have to watch it, I can just watch the game, I can be right courtside. <laughs> One of the best things also, we have a philosophy, we always want to put yeah, the VR camera. the. The obvious thing is put it somewhere where somebody would be, and it's kind of like, no, I want the camera to be somewhere somebody can't be, like, can't be. up in the umpire's chair. That is an awesome spot. Like the person that you always watch, moderating the game, making the calls. Yeah, I oh, want that person's perspective sometimes. Do, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, or well, the ball boy or girl, or you well, know, I haven't thought about it watching <laughs> footy,
0: like even the commentators. What are they? What are they seeing? Because they're commentating on the game. They got to see everything. You
1: should be yeah. able to, you know, with VR and interactivity, give the viewer the chance to jump locations and spots and watch things, yeah. uh, have full immersion introduce them to different perspectives they would normally get and I get it you can get that in 2d but I'm talking about perspectives that other people would have for real, Mm. like the ball boy Mm. or girl really sits there on the edge of the net and that's the view that you get if you were that ball boy or girl. girl. That's great, or the umpire. I mean, that's part of the reason why they do it. Absolutely, and so you think about the attrition that we have with um, broadcast, of video on demand and pay subscription TV and you kind of think about the barriers you can open up with VR, with platform technology subscription premium experience. It's a really monetizable channel there and it's now really cheap in terms of hardware investment for the consumer and everyone's got the bandwidth and the infrastructure to really be able to yeah. consume it. So we're kind of in an nirvana point to see consumption VR really grow. Yeah, definitely. That's really cool. That's really cool. <laughs> I think that's an
0: awesome plot to leave it. Um, but Darren, for anyone out there that, that is thinking about doing VR or even just wants to follow what you're doing, um you know getting more immersed themselves in in what VR is where's the best sort of places to reach out to yourself or
1: yeah um, look uh instagram facebook um yep, at ignition vr on that um yep. i post a lot on linkedin um and um you know video. so look up darren ignition immersive yeah just yep. look up ignition immersive we're yep. out there somewhere on that, okay. that wide web On the line. Yeah, yeah. Now best on Instagram and we try to post up a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Uh, It's a lot more about how we roll, you know, we're 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 not really a startup, we are, we're eighteen months old now, but we like to be authentic. We're really passionate about what we do. So we really like to open the hood and just just show people what we're doing and share that. It's a great community in VR as well. So anyone that wants to get into it, really recommend it. It's a really fostering community. People are really passionate about what we're doing and the opportunities and you know, it's it's um it's not quite like a, a club community, but there's certainly a lot of knowledge sharing well, to be out, out there. there, yeah. Awesome,
0: well nice down. I've been, I've been Tim, this has been Darren. Absolute and, uh, pleasure. We've been talking, cheers. Cheers. All right, and there you have it, the seventh episode there with Darren. I really hope you enjoyed the insights to such an emerging industry. If you have any questions about VR or think you can use it in your business or what you're doing, um, definitely hit Ignition Immersive up. Um, They're really good guys, awesome to talk to. Apart from that, um, leave a review here. I'd love for you guys to give me some feedback, tell me how the podcast is going. Uh, always contactable on Instagram and Facebook at Beantalking and the email tim at beantalking.com.au. But apart from that, I'll see you guys in episode 8 where we got some exciting things to come.